0: Colin, what's going on, man? Not much, man. How are you? (laughs) Hey, man. (laughs) How are you, man? I feel like this is going to be an NPR show.
1: Hey, everybody. We're here to talk about zombies. I like zombies.
0: Colin, do you like zombies? I love zombies. Zombies are, they're wonderful. (laughs) Alrighty, then. It's hard to speak softly and slowly when you're laughing. (laughs) All right, let's do it.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Real DMC podcast. DMC stands for Dave, Marks, and Colin. Today it is just the Real DC podcast again because it's just Colin and Dave. Because Colin and Dave cannot stop talking about Zack Snyder. (laughs) So Colin, what's with your uh, Zack Snyder
0: obsession? You know, it's so weird because I don't have one, (laughs) and I just keep wondering, why do we keep watching Zack Snyder movies? Colin and I are trapped in a Zack Snyder
1: vortex. Was it a month and a half ago, I think you and I did a a pod, just a two-person pod on the Snyder Cat, and that led to us somehow watching Army of the Dead soon afterwards, which we just did a podcast on. During that podcast, we decided that, hey, why don't we go back and actually watch Zack Snyder's first theatrical film. 2004's remake of Dawn of the Dead
2: (sighs) Vivian? Honey, are you okay? Officials have declared a state of emergency. Everybody they kill gets up
0: and killed. Residents are advised to find a safe place and stay there.
2: I've just been informed that we are going off the air and switching to the emergency broadcasting system. Look up the road. There's a lot more of them. Why are they coming here? Maybe they're coming for us.
0: We seem to also be doing a lot of zombie movies. It's very interesting to
1: watch this movie immediately after we just watched 28 Days Later. Because there's a lot of
0: similarities.
1: Yeah, a lot of similarities, a lot of maybe inspiration, maybe even some copying parts.
0: Yeah, I mean, I never really thought while watching it that it was a ripoff or anything like that. I think Inspired By is good probably one of the second or third fast-moving zombie movies there's the you know the infection and i think they're two totally separate films
1: they're very very different movies yeah yeah, very different very complimentary one is more artistic and the other one is more stylish i guess or emphasizes (laughs) style i guess so (laughs) of the two
0: well what's the difference between artistic and stylish What I mean by stylish is there's
1: more of an emphasis, you know, some of the camera tricks, the way that it's shot in the Dawn of the Dead remake versus, say, 28 Days Later, which was character-driven, post-apocalyptic. The emphasis was not on the zombies. This is definitely zombie-forward, so that's the difference.
0: Yeah, totally agree. While there was a little bit of character development in this movie, Dawn of the Dead, there really wasn't that much.
1: It was a lot more than Army of the Dead, and I don't know that we can get through this movie without making some comparisons and some conversation in regards to Army of the Dead. This is a much better film than Army of the Dead. Oh, it's much, much better. In fact, let me just get to some uh, general setup. The movie does maintain a 7.3 rating on IMDb. I, the last time I looked, I think Army of the Dead was, might have been down to 5.7, <laughs> I think it was, or 5.8, because it has been dropping a bit. For this film, Ebert gave this film three stars. It was actually pretty highly regarded in terms of reviews. It did pretty well. It was made for $28 million. It came in at number 53 on the 2004 box office. Right behind the Stepford Wives and in front of a movie called Without a Paddle, which I've never heard of. You mean like Up the Creek, dot, 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 Without a Paddle? I got confused with an 80s rafting sex comedy film, which I cannot remember the name of. It was Up the Creek, wasn't it? It might have been Up the Creek. Was it a sequel to Up the Creek? I don't know. This movie is many things that Army of the Dead was not. The characters in this movie are fleshed out much more much better than Army of the Dead. Now, none of these characters are super deep, but the actions the characters take and some of the dialogue they use does a lot to define them and give them some individual personalities. I think this movie moves quickly. It's definitely effective in terms of the pacing. Army of the Dead was two hours and 26 minutes. This movie is an hour and I watched the unrated version, which was an hour and 49 minutes. This movie flies by and it's very effectively paced.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: And I think the characters make smart decisions or, you know, somewhat realistic decisions (laughs) under the circumstances. Now, there's some stuff like the 18 moment, which we can talk about a little bit later. But there's some weird moments or funny moments. But for the most part, they're doing the right thing. It's not like Army of the Dead when Vanderhoe decides to get into a fist fight with the super zombie for no reason whatsoever. Like that's absurdist, stupid actions these characters it feels like they're kind of doing what you would expect them to do under these circumstances
0: absolutely yeah
1: why does this work so well as a, as a comparison to army of the dead i think the name is james gunn james gunn is actually credited with the screenplay so i think james Gunn's actually a really good writer when it comes to developing characters and i think you have to look no further than guardians of the galaxy to see that did he
0: direct that or did he just write it
1: he did both actually he wrote and directed it
0: oh huh. well there you go what happened with Suicide Squad? Because that was just a huge turd. He's actually writing
1: and directing the sequel to Suicide Squad that comes out this August.
0: Oh, he did yeah. not do the first one. Okay. No. It's really weird when they come out with a sequel that's named the exact same thing.
1: No, no. This time it has a the in front of it.
0: Oh, thank God. Okay.
1: It's, it's entirely different. It was, it was Suicide Squad before, and now it's the Suicide Squad.
0: Adding the article just, that makes the movie.
1: Do you like James Gunn? Are you familiar with other things that he's worked on? Like, Have you ever seen Slither? No. What is Slither? So, Slither is a, a horror movie that has Michael Rooker in it, and it's really bizarre, but it's actually quite entertaining.
0: What? What's it about?
1: It's about a town that is attacked by mutant slugs, I think they're alien slugs, that take over people's bodies. It reminds me a little bit of Night of the Creeps. If, I don't know if you recall that. I'm probably throwing a lot of 80s horror references at you that you're just going to give me a blank stare. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I just think James Gunn is pretty talented when it comes to dialogue and character development in particular. So I like his writing.
0: Yeah. So I'm not really that familiar with James Gunn.
1: But yeah. We should do Slither for Friday Night Frights as a podcast. I think it's a, it's a fun movie. It probably wouldn't get in a lot of listens, but it's a fun movie. <laughs> All right. Denise Cronenberg. So she was the costume designer on this film. And she is David Cronenberg's sister.
0: When I saw her name in the credits, I sort of wondered, but I was like, Nah. Then, afterwards, I saw that they had filmed it in Ontario. Then I was like, well, he's Canadian, so maybe? Cronenberg is a name that
1: catches your eye, especially if you're a fan of 80s horror.
0: Yeah. I Actually, I love
1: Cronenberg. We should do a couple of his movies.
0: I love Cronenberg the beer.
1: (laughs) I like the director and the beer. (laughs) This was your first time watching it, is that right?
0: Yeah, but the strange thing was, as the movie progressed, I kept thinking, have I seen this before? Maybe it was just that... I'd seen certain things in the trailer, and I'd seen the trailer a while ago. That must be it. Because I don't think I've seen this, but I have definitely seen the 1978 uh, original.
1: You're a fan of the original, right?
0: Yeah, I think we used to watch that a bunch because it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. That was my favorite George Romero zombie movie.
1: I mean, the original Dawn of the Dead is a masterpiece, right? I mean, it has all the -the over-the-top gore, all the effects that Tom Savini put together that are just pretty amazing. The original movie also has a lot more social commentary, so that's one thing that's definitely different here. Romero was going for the whole attack on consumerism. Uh, you also had the biker gang that shows up in the original that goes against the, the group that's there, so it's a little bit of a human-on-human conflict. A lot of that's kind of eliminated here, and this is more of a straight-up survival kind of horror movie. And th- yeah. this is almost more, more action movie than horror movie, honestly. Don't you think?
0: Oh, totally. I mean, this is... I wasn't, like, scared at all. This is just... No evading and killing zombies. Right. Trying to stay alive. But the zombies are really effective as a threat. I think they're really well done. Oh, definitely. Yeah. There was a little bit in the beginning about group dynamics and power dynamics with the security guards. They largely dropped that after about 15 they minutes. They give you
1: a pretty significant character turn for the character CJ without yeah, any definitely. kind of real, real yeah. explanation for it. But it actually ends up working. You go through a, an arc with that guy over the course of the movie in terms of, he, instantly hating him to respecting him or liking him by the end of it
0: his character was the only one i i really thought like had any sort of character development because he did have this character arc. by the way i just want to call up michael kelly who i love as an actor who plays CJ. Yeah. i personally think he was the mvp of the cast
1: i think he and ving rames are the two that i would say were the mvps
0: Bing is always great i
1: just feel like michael kelly really stood out we want to just go through the rest of the cast. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about Michael Kelly?
0: Are you familiar with him?
1: Oh yeah, no. I actually I really like him as an actor. He's one of those actors that when he comes on the screen, I'm instantly drawn to him. He's he's always had a presence, a screen presence that I
0: like. Yeah, he's got this quiet intensity. I love his his role of Doug Stamper in House of Cards, at least the first few seasons before it yeah. got ridiculous.
1: Funny, I didn't stick with that series. I think I made it to like, season. <laughs> <laughs> like season two or season three i think is how far i made it
0: that's a good call because it just got ridiculous and then the last season after when they canceled uh, kevin spacey right and he wasn't even in it it just became like super ridiculous so ving rames is another actor that i just love watching it's like
1: everything you know anytime he's on the screen he just has that quiet sort of cool intensity his character here is relatively flat <laughs> in He starts as one guy and he kind of ends the movie as that same guy. Sort of no nonsense. He's definitely tough. Kind of surprised that they didn't have his character be the one that kind of pushed back against the security guards. There was a bit of a slow boil. Fuck this whole situation. I'll just do my best to get through it. It, Just the intensity that he brings or the intensity that kind of radiates off him, I think is very effective.
0: I was sort of wondering that as well, because he is the only true like authority figure there. Security guards are just rent-a-cops. There's also the race angle. I could sort of see that where even though he's a cop, you know, well, he's black and they don't care. Ving Rhames, i it's it's almost like all he has to do is give you a look to show you how powerful he is.
1: That's what I'm saying. It's like he could have stared down those security guys and they probably just would have put their weapons on the yeah. ground. <laughs>
0: so. I mean, he, and he basically was. <laughs> although I really liked Anna, Sarah Polly's character. She sort of she's just like, fuck you guys. <laughs> As we go through this movie, I'll highlight that because I really
1: do think there are... A ton of nice little moments, they kind of develop themselves a little bit, right? Or there's at least a little bit of that, and that opportunity is there through dialogue and through some of their actions. So as a comparison to Army of the Dead, I mean, Army of the Dead, none of those characters go through any arc whatsoever the entire movie. They start and they're the exact same person at the end of the movie. None of them have any depth whatsoever. Not like these, this is a Shakespearean performance where you're getting into the souls of these characters, but it's much, much better than Army of the Dead.
0: Yeah, like they actually attempted to do something with a exactly, character yeah. development.
1: <laughs> well, so how about Sarah Pauly? Because I have to say that I'm not terribly familiar with her. I mean, I've seen her in things. I actually, before we watched this movie, in my head, I was thinking it might be Anna Ferris, who was this character,
0: who was the actress in the movie. I know Sarah Pauly. She, you know, she starred in Go, the Doug Lyman movie from the 90s, which I really liked. She was also in a a series, a Canadian series that I really liked called Slings and Arrows. So, yeah, I'm pretty familiar with her.
1: Well, apparently the producers were considering Diane Lane as they were developing the movie. Hmm.
0: I mean, sure. Could work. I'm a big Diane Lane fan. I really liked Sarah Pauly in this way. I
1: I think she's actually great in this. Yeah. I think she's really, really strong performance and. She's kind of a badass, too. She's a quiet badass in this movie. Yeah, exactly. She has her Sarah Connor moments, for sure. How about Jake Weber as Michael? Because I think he actually has a really good performance as well. Again, somebody that I've recognized in things, but not somebody I'm terribly familiar with from something else specifically.
0: I've seen him in a million things, and I can't name one of them. It's just, he's like one of those faces. Yeah. I really like his voice and his demeanor. It's like, wow, why is it that I just don't really know where I know him from? I looked at his filmography, and it was just like, he really is in everything, but nothing I could really go like, oh, I know him from that, or I know him from that. I really liked him in this. I did see that Nathan Fillion had auditioned for this role, and I think he would have been good, but he would have brought a little more energy and humor, whereas Michael, the way that Jake Weber played him, was definitely a lot cooler, calmer.
1: Pretty serious. This movie does not have a lot of humor in it. Well, that's what Ty Burrell is for. (laughs) Well, yeah, okay. So I love Ty Burrell in this. I had forgotten that he was in this movie. He's just an asshole. And it's, what's great about his character is he does not go through a redemptive arc. He actually just is an asshole to his core. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of fun. And he's just sleazy. He's just a dick. And it's fun
0: to see. He's a total dick. Yeah, he's true to form throughout the entire movie. But he is very fun. He's got really good, sarcastic, comedic timing. When we first sort of meet him, that sort of just sets it all up.
2: Well, I get this call in the CB from that guy glancing. All these folks are in the chapel. He's a priest? No, he plays the organ. I was in the neighborhood, so I picked him up. Well done. Thanks.
0: Hey, I, I'm sorry. Excuse me. When when you two fellas are done blowing each other, maybe Davy Crockett can tell us the deal here. <laughs> I just like busted up laughing. He's a total douche, but he brings a, a good bit of um, douche energy le- and levity to uh, yeah to some scenes that sort of needed it. Matt Frewer shows up. He's the
1: stand-in for, in the original Dawn of the Dead, do you remember Roger's death? That was a big moment.
0: Honestly, I, just, I don't remember much of that movie at all. Oh, really? Because it's been so long. Kind of like to watch it again. We're not going to do another podcast on Dawn of the Dead,
1: though. <sighs> I don't never say never. <laughs> More zombie movies. So Dawn of the Dead, the original, had a pretty famous scene. In fact, it's uh, the, the face of Roger was used on the poster. And there's the scene where he, you know, he's going through his transformation. Ken Foray has to end up shooting him after he transforms. Ah, uh, okay. He sits up after he's gone through the transformation and he gets shot. Matt Frewer plays that role here. Every time I see Matt Frewer and I hear his voice, I think of Max Headroom.
0: I want to talk to you about something even bigger, namely Ma- Ma- Max Headroom. Sit back, relax, and
2: enjoy. My film
1: can't get past that. That's my immediate association.
0: I've gotten past the Max Headroom because I've seen him in a, a lot of different things, and I, I really like him as an actor, and he does have a great voice. Do you know what I now associate him mostly with? I mean, it's just just take a wild guess. It's just Star Trek: The Next Generation. This <laughs> little one episode, the guy from the future, right? The guy from the, the future, the guy, yeah. Or the or the, fa- the fake future. Yeah,
1: he's a, he's a con man, right?
0: Yeah good role though. Really, really good.
1: Anybody else you want to highlight in the cast before we jump into this thing?
0: I didn't know anyone else. Matt Fruer. he really had a a small role and there were others that had much larger roles, but I'm not really familiar with those actors at all. I don't think we mentioned Mackay Pfeiffer. Yeah, I know him from, he's been in a lot of TV shows. I think he was like in ER for quite some time and uh, and 8 Mile. I do like him and I thought he gave a a good strong performance. He actually had some stuff to work with character development wise as well, but They sort of set it up and they did complete it, but it wasn't like they really went in in depth. He gives a a little speech. I feel like I'm here
2: to bring that baby on this earth and give it everything that I never had. I just want the opportunity to change things.
0: And I'm just sitting in there going, oh yeah, he's going to die. Oh oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the speech that you give and then like a few scenes later you die.
1: Things are not going to go well for you if you if you're if you're actually offering these thoughts out to the
0: universe. Yeah. In a horror movie. All right. Well, are you ready to start jumping into this thing? Yeah. Oh, oh, there is actually one cuz you mentioned Tom Savini. Oh yeah, so Tom Savini as as the sheriff. Yeah, his performance as the sheriff on the newscast really <laughs> stood out. And I really, I enjoyed it a lot. It was quite good.
1: He's the total no-nonsense, tough motherfucker sheriff yeah. you know, that shows up on the newscast. And if you recall, he was also the leader of the biker gang that attacks them all or invades them all in the, in the original.
0: Right. I found that out later because I was looking at the two and I was like, hey, wait, I recognize that name. He was in the original. That's great. Yeah. And I did not know he was like a special effects person either, but I guess he's, he's sort of done it all.
1: Oh, so if you grew up a fan of 80s horror, or late 70s horror, Tom Savini, is, he's a god. I mean, he has all these crazy effects and, and very famous moments. I can't remember if it's Maniac or The Prowler. There's a headshot inside a car. Oh, Maniac. It's an all-timer in terms of the splatter effect on the interior of the, of the window of the car.
0: Oh, yeah, and the head is just like blown apart. It was, yeah. it was really disgusting,
1: which is why I remember it. Of course, Tom Savini did a whole bunch of the effects for the, the Romero films as well, so... The intestines sliding around and all that—that's all Savini. Yeah, he's awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> intestines. He's awesome. <laughs> he is awesome. I, Tom Savini's awesome. Before we actually jump into a couple of things about Zack Snyder, and because this yeah. is—you know—this is his first feature film. Where were all the speed ramp fights? Where was the comic panel replications? All the the things that he's known for—ripped abs. I didn't see any of that stuff here. Is, was this really a Zack Snyder movie? This is Zack Snyder starting to get his footing. Because what you
1: do have in this movie is at least several slow motion shots of shell casings being ejected and hitting the floor. That That's a repeated stylistic choice that Snyder makes in all of his movies. You yeah. have the screens. So the screens show up here, right? So there's lots of stuff showing actions that are taking place on screens and screens in glass. There's a, a decent amount of that here. So... No speed ramping though, no no real speed ramping or no none of the slow motion shot. There's a couple of tiny moments, but the gunfight in the store with between uh, Mackay Pfeiffer and it Norma. Yeah, there's a little bit of slow mo there, but otherwise, yeah, you're right. Not not a ton of Snyderisms as you would know them today.
0: Yeah, no. I think the only thing was the uh, reference to Superman with uh, the store named Metropolis. Metropolis. That was yeah. that's probably it. But when you look at it, 300 was his next film. and That was two years later. Very very, very different films, right, and that's like a total Zack Snyder movie. I would probably say there, there that it's either this is his first film, and yeah he's like developing a style he really didn't really got going with it in three hundred or he was also maybe just trying this you know this is a remake of a film that he probably loves right, right. so it's more of a um, George Romero homage than it is a like trying to be a a real Zack snyder movie
1: it's also a script that was not written by him that that actually obviously influences what's going on on the screen so he can't set up all the moments that he would normally set up for speed ramping etc i Mm -hmm. also think that the subject matter doesn't really lend itself to a lot of that because i think you're specifically trying to generate tension by having these fast moving zombies so i think if you were to slow it down and have these slow motion sequences i think it would be a weird combination of energy in the movie Mm-hmm. what do you think about 300 it's funny i haven't seen 300 in quite a long time it's a movie that i always liked but i never necessarily loved and it was partially because the digital filming technique and the, the way that it's set up it's kind of i don't know i mean i appreciate the fact that it does what it does from a kind of a hyper stylized comic world that it creates and i think all of that is really interesting and I, I think the costuming in it for example i think is really well done but It's not a movie that I've gone back to with any regularity over the past 20 years. I don't know about... How about you?
0: Kind of the same, but I I feel like I I want to revisit it now, now that we've done a bunch of Zack Snyder's... Because I I do definitely remember watching it the first time and thinking, this is very new. This is unique. And I was not familiar with the comics, the... um... Graphic novels? Graphic novels. Was it a graphic novel? 300? I, I don't know if it was a graphic novel or...
1: A series. might have been a graphic novel. I think yeah. Frank
0: Miller might have written
1: it, but... So my, I, yeah. My comics knowledge is starting a little fuzzy. In my advanced age...
0: I, I wasn't familiar, familiar with it at all. It felt very unique because... It did feel like a comic, and then I did a, like read up about it later on, and you can actually see like you know, sort side by side comparisons between like a, yeah. the shot film and uh, the original comic panel, and it was like, really interesting. I really liked it, but yeah, I haven't gone back to it with any sort of regularity. But I think I'm going to watch it again.
1: Well, I guess it's going to be the real DC podcast on to 300. Let's <laughs> just
0: do oh, Jesus.
1: <laughs> let's just do every Snyder film. Forget it. We're we're in it now. We can't we can't pull out. The gravitational force is too strong. All
0: right. Well, I guess we'll end up doing Watchmen too.
1: Actually, I'd like to talk about that movie because I really like that movie quite a bit.
0: Go ahead. You can, you can talk about it all you want. No, I, I I like it too. Yeah. I think that
1: movie's a triumph. I just think that the the source material is so freaking dense and intense and all that that the fact that he was able to create what he did with it, I think, was just really impressive. I understand it's not necessarily true to or 100% true to the spirit of the graphic novel and the intent that Alan Moore was going for, but I still think it's a pretty cool movie.
0: It is. It's one of those movies where if I see it on, I'll stop and start watching it.
1: Right. And are you ready to get back to this movie?
0: Yeah, let's do it. All
1: right, let's jump in. Opening sequence of the movie is some of the opening visuals I think are kind of cool. Because it's panning down over a neighborhood, you have a, a woman who is a nurse. You start getting these little indicators that something might be going on out there. So she's talking to a doctor, and they have this doctor be like the ultimate dick doctor because he's he won't he won't pay any attention to her because she's a nurse and he's talking about his golf time. I mean, it's a lot of a lot of stereotypical suck up doctor stuff. But I just think that exchange is kind of funny. But I do like when she's leaving the hospital. I like the whole sort of. Aesthetic that gets created there because she walks out of the hospital and there are a couple of feet that are sticking out the back of, a, of an ambulance. And so for a second, you're like, Ooh, what's going on? Yeah, no, no. Just some dude laying down. But I, I like that. I thought that was kind of a good moment.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I, it was a nice little fake out in the beginning because you're hearing these things like in the background, security to uh, admitting just these little things that you're going like oh is this the um, the beginning of it like things are starting to go wrong like little snippets on the on the news like she gets into her car you hear these news reports that something is going on and on Two different stations, but she just goes past it and puts on the music and, you know, is blissfully ignorant. But as the audience, you can tell that, okay, well, it's starting to go down. The little fake out with the legs from the EMT and the ambulance, I thought that was great. I do love the effect of having a character where you, as the viewer, know that shit's going down,
1: but the character just keeps missing those opportunities to get that information. And then she goes home and sees her husband and they have a, you know, a nice interlude together and they are just completely disconnected from the fact that the world is melting down outside
0: yeah really well done they just keep missing all the reports like it's on tv and they turn the tv off and they go take a shower and then they go they go to bed and they wake up the next morning 6 30 wow good morning (laughs) (laughs) this is one of the things i really think is super effective about
1: this movie is it's kind of like bam, you're in it, shit's going down. And I, I love the way that they go from zero to a hundred in this movie, because when Sarah Polly's character was coming back, she has a brief little conversation with a, a little girl who's out front on roller skates. And then in the morning, the husband wakes up and the the girl's standing in the hallway and she's got some blood on her and he thinks, oh, is, is are you okay, honey? And then the little girl just attacks the dude and Real big bite, nice bite right on the throat. When he goes to pull her off, there's a good trail of neck skin that's coming off. It's a pretty effective attack sequence. I think it's, I think it's really good.
0: It's really good because she's like standing there like a zombie, just yeah. standing. And then she goes to a hundred. She just charges. You know, like, yeah. Oh, th- wow. Okay, this is this is what this movie's going to be like. By the way, I read that one of the um, producers. He said that the girl who plays, what, Vivian, is that her name? Mm -hmm. He suggested that she was destined to be a big star in Japan because much of the Japanese marketing is around her, which he thought was kind of cool. He said, they just love the idea of that little blonde girl who will rip your throat out.
1: (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I thought it was pretty funny.
1: Who knew that was an attractive trait? You know, the other thing about this scene that's, I think, really good is the little girl gets pushed back into the hallway. And then there's this really cool moment where you see her jump up and she uses you know all four limbs to push herself up off the ground. And just that physical effect. And apparently that was a wire effect that they did. But it just kind of gives the zombies instantly like a slight edge of credibility to being a threat because it's like, OK, the physicality is pretty cool. And, and the way that she moves in that scene is is really good. Those opening attack scenes remind me a little bit of the effective attack scenes in Twenty Eight Days Later, when Killian Murphy goes to the gas station and there's a little girl who shows up and she starts running at him. So I, I thought about that during that scene. Mm-hmm. The zombies that are moving somewhat silently when they attack you too. I just I just thought that opening attack sequence was was great.
0: The stunts and it's going like a hundred miles an hour. Like when Anna locks herself in the bathroom, she's like going backwards and she trips and she falls into the the bathtub. And it's an overhead shot, and it is just amazing, like the stunt work on that, because it looked like she was just flying against the wall, and it looked like it really, really hurt. A great shot. I have in my notes, I have
1: bathtub hit, not getting up. Yeah. That's what I said. totally. I mean... (laughs) it's if she actually hit the wall that hard I, if she wasn't killed outright at very least she's got to be knocked unconscious i
0: i would think she would yeah
1: it's a great stunt though it really is but it, for for a small space the way that it's executed it's super effective
0: i almost feel like maybe the the stunt woman may have gone a little overboard because it looked like it
1: really hurt no i know it's, it's really effective yeah it's it's funny that it's like you and i both keyed in on that is like wow that's a pretty good stunt so she sneaks out the window, and then her husband comes out, and, and you know she's struggling to get in the car. And it's this great moment of it's a combination of the, of both Terminator movies because he jumps on the hood and he punches the window like in the, the first Terminator. Oh yeah, yeah. As she speeds away, her husband is doing his best T two Robert Patrick performance, running after the car. <laughs> totally, <But he's>, totally. <laughs> it's really good. I mean, the guy's just booking. And then what's what's really funny is she's driving through the neighborhood, and he ends up peeling off when he finds another. <laughs> another human that's just on the she's out in front of her house she's like what's going on and you just see him like see her and he just he just goes to tax her i love that i just thought oh my that, God. that that whole opening is just i think see, the opening is awesome in this movie really good
0: i think we share the same brain <laughs> <Because> that's exactly <laughs> what i thought too i love how he's just he's just booking after and, and then he just peels off and like runs <laughs> to this woman who's like yeah. standing out in front of her house going what's going on and it's like ah <laughs> <laughs> go out to get the paper in the morning and some dude like, attacks you. And when she got out of her house and she just like stops and she's surveying the neighborhood and it's just complete chaos. It's like this quiet little neighborhood and it all of a sudden it's this chaos all around her and she's just like, what the fuck is going on? Right. Uh, great moment. It's great
1: too because you take that exactly you that little quiet suburban neighborhood and when you inject that level of chaos to it it's super effective like it, it's actually it's disturbing right you're like oh my gosh this is something you know this is this is not right
0: uh, so you know what i also thought about as she's like on the street the shit's going down i immediately thought to the credit sequence of uh, army of the dead you know when the, with the suburban mom that the badass suburban mom it's it's almost the same thing i was like geez it looks like it might even be the same street but of course like those streets right. all look the same. But uh, it was very, very reminiscent of that. Yeah, definitely. And so I, I sort of wonder if Zack Snyder was thinking back to that and, and saying like, oh, we could th- pick up the same sort of thing with this suburban mob. Maybe it was even like an homage to Anna.
1: I do have one question, though, about the zombie mythology, because the way that you are transformed in this is you're, you're bitten. I'm assuming that if you get, receive a bite of any kind, that the infection is just going to kill you anyways, versus actually the idea that, it's physical damage that somehow you like you have to die and then get transformed because her husband ends up transforming in 30 seconds but then the woman who's pregnant who's bitten or even the
0: guy yeah but he i think he died because i think he bled out and then then he transformed so so even if you are bitten it's going to kill you the infection will kill kill you slowly and then you'll transform anyways
1: otherwise it, it has to you have to wait till you actually die and then you get reanimated yeah I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The speed is inconsistent for the characters that are bitten. Is, I, that's what I'd say.
0: Well, or, or maybe not, because I guess Andy goes through it. He said it was like really bad. The bite was really bad. And I don't know. So you think he, bl- he bled out too? Yeah. And maybe. He must have. Who knows? Oh, no, no, no. He wasn't dead. Remember, he was, uh, he was still banging on the closet when they got to the gun shop. So he wasn't. Oh, yeah. no. Sorry. Well, I hope he wasn't still human because Bing <laughs> Raim pulls his head off. So Sorry. My bad. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. yeah, he must have just bled out. But you're right, because just thinking, like, would the speed of zombies taking over and and society collapsing, would it happen that quickly? Would people have died that quickly? The only way is if they were really getting massive injuries and therefore dying pretty quickly
1: and then turning. Because the mythology in 28 Days Later, as a comparison... That establishes that as soon as the blood gets in your bloodstream, you have about a 30-second to two-minute window before you're going to transform. So
0: It's like 20, 30 seconds, and then you're turned. That's the infection, because you don't die. You just turn into a rage-filled monster. But the one thing that they didn't do in this movie that I thought they might try was, especially with Frank or somebody else who, who got bit, try lopping off an arm. To see if they could stop...
1: Oh, stop the spread of the infection? Yeah,
0: yeah. and therefore save the person.
1: But they didn't yeah. do that. You know, they needed the meat slicer from the evil dead. Okay. <laughs> Just do a I, do I, little I arm to, work. I, I had to look away. That
0: was so great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, well, getting back to it. So Anna, she heard she drives her car off a road. The airbag goes off, so she knocks herself unconscious. She's in shock. One question here, I don't know how long she's supposed to be out, but by the time she wakes up, it's, it could be like twenty minutes an hour, who knows, But at that point, the world is gone. <laughs> so it does fall apart pretty quickly. And much like the twenty eight days later question, the roads are also mysteriously absent of cars and people and all that when she wakes up. That strains things a little bit, but whatever I, I don't it's know. A what, it? what do
0: you mean? What do you mean?
1: So people are getting attacked. She drives off the road, she's knocked unconscious. and then by the time she wakes up, Everybody's gone. Everything's been transformed already.
0: No, 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 no. First of all, it's been probably a good 18 hours that this whole thing has been going on. They slept through it. No, that's true. So by okay. the time in in the morning, it's well on its way to being the fall of society, right? Right. You know, she's driving down the street and you see military and cars crashing into each other. See that one car that takes out the tanker truck, the gas station Burst into flames and
1: by the way did you know that that was an homage to the original night of living
0: dead i did i read about that of course having not remembering the movie all the stuff was just totally lost on me but yeah i, I like the little homages the shit's going down when she crashes the car yeah it might have been like maybe 10 minutes or something like that the shit's still going down it's just not going down right around them right yeah immediately she and and ken the cop run into another set of survivors, and they're like, don't go that way. It's really bad over there. Like Bad go- things are happening over there. That, that, that was, I thought, a good line.
2: You do not want to go that way. What's that way? Officer, sir, you do not want to go that way. What's that way? It's pretty bad. What about Fort Pastor? Maybe if you had wings, the road stick with those motherfuckers that way. How do you know? We just tried. When I was eight of us,
0: going to the mall.
1: That's a good little piece of dialogue.
0: One thing we didn't talk about in between her car crash and getting out of Dodge was the credit sequence. Oh yeah, I don't think it was a standard Zack Snyder credit sequence. It was a good credit sequence, but it's that's a good credit sequence, yeah. Definitely not the very elaborate ones that you're used to. He probably developed that later on. But it's also, again, it's the Dawn of the Dead movie. So
1: Right. And do you think that it's showing that as a global phenomenon when they're showing the credit sequence?
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah.
1: To me, there's a bunch of international imagery that's in there.
0: You just wonder how it spread across the world world. so quickly and what it is. So I always wonder, like, with Night of the Living Dead, was there some sort of... Explanation? Was it from outer space or was it just like people started turning into zombies? You know, the dead were coming back to life. You're the the horror guy.
1: I don't believe that there was any kind of explanation given in the original Night of the Living Dead. Okay. It's interesting because that movie starts, you remember, where it starts with the encounter in the graveyard where there's a guy and you're not sure if he's a zombie or not, but he's talking. Mm -hmm. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Yeah, yeah. Even the mythology within that first movie is probably a little bit muddled. It's not great, it's an all-timer.
0: So for this, uh, I don't know, It just probably nature's run its course and suddenly, like all over the world, people are just turning. It seems like a virus. They never say. And I think some of the producers have said, yeah, it was a virus, but how could it spread so quickly all over the world?
1: Well, apparently James Gunn had the opinion that it was not necessarily a virus, but that it did have some level of supernatural element to it. He likened it to sort of a vampire's bite in terms of transforming people. Versus having it be a virus. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, not specifically a virus, but almost like it's uh, spread like a virus. Right. We're not talking about the whole world's infected over the course of like, say, a month. We're talking about hours, 24 right. hours. <laughs> like, I don't know how that could happen.
1: Specifically, how could it happen globally? That's the, the question. Because it yeah. could happen one spot. Sure. Shut down your travel, let a continent go to shit. I mean, that's basically what you do.
0: That's not a great approach, but okay.
1: Ah, come on. That's It, <laughs> it,
0: it, it would work in Britain. That's about it. Every country for itself. Or Australia. Sorry, Australia. No, Australia survives. The characters decide
1: they are going to try to hole up in a mall. Once they're inside the mall, they're trying to work their way to get to the main area and they're in one of the stores and it cuts to a a close up of a toilet. They then use the toilet and they throw it through the window as a way to get out to the mall. When they cut to the toilet, I thought they were trying to, I thought it was going a different direction for a minute. (laughs) Did did that throw you at all? Or was that just me? No, I think it was just you. Um, I was
0: just wondering (laughs) how did they get into that store?
1: They crowbar their way in, and I don't know how they got into that store specifically. Okay. Uh, but they do make their way into the mall.
0: It just seems like a, a lot have to throw a toilet through the, the plate glass window just right. to get out. But whatever. S-
1: seemed a little dramatic. Yeah. When they're out there, they're, they then go around and they're initially thinking they're just going to try to secure the area. Army of the Dead, all the exposition was a character saying this thing, this thing, this thing, to try to put some facts out there, right? But they have the so Mackay Pfeiffer's character goes down and sees a zombie that's smashing up against the window, and he says, you know, it's shatterproof asshole or something like that. That's an explanation as to why the zombies can't necessarily get through the windows. So it's just little elements like that through the movie. I think the exposition is much more effective. They end up going upstairs, and this is where they have their first encounter with three security guards, including CJ, the character who's played by Michael Kelly. He is instantly the authoritative asshole, big fish in a small pond kind of guy. He does a really good job of putting some energy together that you instantly hate this character. At least I did. I, th- I think he's really effective in the role.
0: Oh, totally. He's just very, very good at being quietly menacing. It makes perfect sense to me that if the first sign of the breakdown of society, that it would be the, the rent-a-cops who are the ones who are making a, a power grab. Right. <laughs> it just makes sense. And it's a good moment. So they have
1: a little bit of a showdown where they have you know, guns drawn on each other. The security guards end up effectively locking... The new folks into a store overnight. This is where CJ is watching some news coverage, and this is where you see Tom Savini as the sheriff. And so that moment's just kind of fun. But then you also see he switches to a preacher, and that preacher is actually so that is Ken Forey.
2: Hell is overflowing, and Satan is sending his dead to us. When there is no more room in hell the dead will walk the earth.
1: And that of course is the tagline straight from the movie poster of the original Dawn of the Dead. So I just like all that. that's just fun. It's just I appreciate the homage of including the actor and including that that piece of dialogue specifically.
0: Yeah, I thought that was effectively done because it really, that sort of made an impact. You know, that line, you're like, oh, shit.
1: (laughs) So from a Snyderism too, this is where he's using screens, you know, screens within the movie to to, to great effect. You know, the fact that the the picture's kind of grainy and it adds a little bit of menace to the message that's being delivered. I like that video sequence. I think it's really good.
0: One of the other stars of the original, Scott Reininger, he also had a cameo. I think he played maybe one of the newscasters.
1: No, he's in it, but I'm not sure which character he was. Yeah. I saw that in the trivia, but I I didn't go back to Verify. So uh, from here, Michael Weber's character, sorry, Jake Weber's character, Michael, (laughs) he ends up guiding CJ in the direction as if he's the leader. And he says, oh, well, I know you definitely have this under control. So you're obviously thinking about putting signs on the roof and that kind of stuff to try to get help. I do like watching the Michael character in this movie manipulate CJ. I think that that's pretty good. And it also just, you know, Jake Weber is, is the true leader of the group. I mean, he's kind of taking charge. And they go on the roof and they paint these signs. And there's something about seeing those signs, just the way that they're painted on the roof and painted on the wall. It's just really effective. I think it works really well. It's just a good it's a good element to the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of fun.
1: Signs are fun. <laughs> signs
0: are fun. I like how they uh, they used, it was like a multicolored sign for the SOS. They, they used a the little white white outline and then with an orange middle quite good i i don't think i would have been as creative
1: although i was kind of questioning why you go with yellow in that situation as your color is not going to be washed out a little bit in the sun i would think you'd want a green or a blue something that pops a little bit more against the white roof
0: yeah you're probably right about that right but maybe they only had gallons and gallons of yellow the the color palettes of your
1: average sos sign probably better when you have a higher contrast I think we can agree on that <laughs> I think we can Okay. Um, so they're up on the roof And it's a good character moment because So they see a truck that's barreling through the parking lot
2: What are we going to do about that truck? We're not going to do anything about that truck There's people in it Yeah. And how do you know they're not all fucked up like everybody else out there? Well for one thing they're driving a truck Oh and shooting guns If we start letting people in here We're going to let the wrong ones in And then I'm dead and you know what? I don't want to die we're the wrong ones. Nobody here is sick, and I intend on keeping it that way. Look, I just think you we should... Ch- I did not ask for your opinion, lady! Now, if you want to argue with me, you can argue with this. Hey, hey, take it easy. Shut your fucking mouth. Get the gun out of my face. You can't just turn them away, CJ. You'll kill them. Tough shit. Self-defense. I'm not killing anybody. You know what? I'll kill you. No, no, no. Stop it, CJ. Don't do this. Shut up! I'll kill each and every one of you to stay alive, you hear me? I said, get the fucking
1: gun out of my face. She's done with these security guard assholes trying to run the show. They end up taking the guns off of the security guards. W- one thing I, I do like about this moment, too, all these little character beats like CJ, he, he turns and he spins the gun on them, and you realize that his assholenish his asshole ishness is. Uh, Ashholishness? yeah <laughs> it's coming from the fact that he's scared it's not just him power tripping necessarily it's sheer terror because he's just trying to protect himself so i, I did yeah. like i thought that was a good moment
0: yeah i also like the fact there's different power dynamics within the security guard group because you got the intern who basically is like this is fucked up what are you doing the other guy he just follows whatever cj does those two guys cj and the other guy they're the ones who get put into their own little jail cell for a while whereas right. uh whereas the intern you know he he turns on them and he becomes part of the larger group. He's not power tripping.
1: Yeah. The other thing I liked about this scene was Mackay Pfeiffer's character earlier. They'd gotten to an argument as to, you know, why is Michael trying to guide decisions for the group? And he said, what did you do before all this started? It's like, were you special ops guy or something? And and Michael says, no. He's like, I sold appliances at Best Buy. So Mackay Pfeiffer's like, well, you know, fuck you then. You're not in charge of anything. But then when they get to the roof, Michael ends up you know, disarming one of the security guards. I do love the fact that they have Mackay Pfeiffer look back at him and ask him. He's like, okay, so what's the plan? Mm-hmm. That's just a nice little moment between those two. And it's like he was questioning his authority. And then he's like, okay, he's
0: like, you got it. It's like, I'll follow you. What do you want to do? I like that. It's kind of interesting that Michael couldn't hold down a job or he just had a lot of shitty jobs in his work life. It doesn't seem like he really had much going on. Right. Even though he's like, obviously a smart guy. Natural born leader. Yeah. It's just kind of weird.
1: You want to do a prequel on his job history like did, his, uh, and, his, and his three failed marriages?
0: Yes. That also is a little <laughs> strange that he's got three failed marriages, but he's a, a hell of a dad. Until so, his kids
1: got eaten, probably, I guess.
0: Yeah, but you don't hear about that. No. Michael, he's just, he's an enigma.
1: In the truck, they find, <laughs> I think there was a total of like, was it six or seven people? <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> this, this is
0: the transition.
1: <laughs> Sorry. It's <too> his <laughs> funny. Go ahead. He's an enigma. Yeah, he is. Fuck
0: it. Back to the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, by the way, the, the truck was fantastic. I guess Norma was driving the truck. She's a badass. She oh, no, like Norma's flipped, awesome, man. Norma's a
1: little bit, she's got a little bit of Reba McIntyre from Tremors in her. <laughs> she's just a no-nonsense Midwest woman who's just like, like seen it all and fuck it. It's like, I'm just going to take charge here and get shit done. <laughs> yeah. For the small amount of screen time she has, she makes a good impression as yeah. a character.
0: Yeah. And she just uh, throws it in reverse, screaming down the ramp. And then there's, like, zombies in the way, and they're just getting, like, <laughs> just, just... Just mashed. Thrashed. Yeah. It was just, yeah. It was pretty Those are good effects. I like that a lot. So they make their way into the mall, so they're
1: able to rescue, again, a handful of new characters. This is where there's the moment where
0: you were introduced to Ty Burrell. This guy's the comic relief asshole. He says, when you two fellas... Right. <laughs> it's just like... A- and, I don't know for some reason it just like struck me as like, hilarious
1: The other thing that's funny is they have a woman that they bring out of the truck who Is obviously in bad shape and so they're putting they're wheeling her around in a wheelbarrow.
0: I'm just going What are you guys doing like
1: and she looks like she's probably probably over 200 pounds You know what she really looks like. She looks like the woman The fake disguise that arnold schwarzenegger used in total recall. That's what she looks like She looks like that woman as if that woman died. Ki- yeah, kind of Kinda, yeah.
0: Look at her veins. You you, you look at her, and she's
1: all gray, and she she actually looks like she's already dead. So why they're taking the time to even wheel her around and try to save her is beyond me. I think I think you just need to drop
0: her on the loading dock and close the door. (laughs) Basically, I mean, like she's got this horribly infected wound. Yeah, her skin is all gray and mottled, and you can see like black and blue veins. She's not gonna make it. No. All right yeah. so just maybe like put her out of her misery, right, but yeah, I guess at this point they don't really understand that if you get bitten, you know and then when you die, you're gonna turn. It was a nice moment when she died, and then they put the blanket over her head, and then they would go about go on talking, and then in the background, she does the Michael Myers, and she sits up. that was good.
1: What I love about that moment too is one of the three security guards, the intern dude when 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 she sits up, his reaction is holy shit! (laughs) And then he kind of steps backwards, right? So I just, I like the moments, those moments where somebody has a realistic reaction because, yeah, he's just, he has this moment of like pure terror, he's shitting his pants, and then Anna ends up grabbing, I think, a poker. Yeah. And she, she has her Sarah Connor moment, just jams it right through this woman's face. It's amazing how once somebody turns into a zombie, like no qualms about just sticking pieces of metal through other people and doing whatever it takes to kill people so i guess it's that survival Mm -hmm. instinct
0: she's also like charged her and it's like oh shit okay (laughs) like it's instinct it's just this instinct takes over and you're like Okay, her physical transformation and her going—it looks like she can
1: barely move, slow moving—to all of a sudden running. A nice transition there. Yeah, I mentioned this, but Matt Frewer can't remember his character. So Frank. he's a dad. He shows up with his daughter. What's his name? Frank. Frank and Nicole. This is a you know kind of a genuinely sad moment. I have I have a daughter, so I, I thought about this. He has been bitten, and so Andy initially is going to—I'm sorry—Michael is going to initially go just shoot him because he he doesn't want him to transform. Frank ends up kind of negotiating for, he says he wants every second of his life before he's going to die. And then he's sitting with his daughter and he has to say goodbye to his daughter. And you can see the makeup effects on that, how they transform him in a relatively brief period of time over the movie to look grayer, more like he's closer to death. I think they did that really well. And that that makeup I think is is really well done. It's a sad moment because he's sitting there and he he knows he's going to be dying, transforming, and he's sitting there holding his daughter and I, I was a little bit emotionally affected by that, honestly, because I was thinking about you know what would you say to your daughter if you only had an hour left with her or whatever. It was a little sad for me, actually. Surprisingly, <laughs> did you get a little misty-eyed? I wouldn't go so far as saying misty-eyed. It just made me think for a moment about what those circumstances would be.
0: All I was thinking was, his, this would be like really cool if he turned while he's like got her in his arms and he's consoling her, and then he just turns and like starts biting her. Arr, just but ate her. they they took a different track on that, so. Yeah. You know, you do actually get to see him pass. And then once he dies, there's Ken there who's got a shotgun trained on him. And then he didn't shoot. I thought he was just going to shoot him right then, but they cut away to the other characters. Maybe it's like 30 seconds later, you hear a shotgun blast. Ken ends up putting him out of his misery. And then at that point, Ken,
1: so this is Ving character, he decides he's going to leave because he wants to go try to find his brother who's living in a town. And he finds out from Ty Burrell's character that that whole city has been overrun, so and he ends up changing his mind. But at one point, he's just kind of like, fuck it, he's there for himself. He's going to go out and actually try and escape effectively, but then he changes his mind, and they kind of set up shop at the mall. This leads to your standard post-apocalyptic montage where everyone's doing things. And Ty Burrell's hitting golf balls off the roof. Ken ends up forming a relationship with a with a guy named Andy who's trapped in a gun store that is across the street or across the parking lot. So, And they end up exchanging messages. Just it's, it's kind of a cool construct in the movie that you have these two guys that are on roofs from this distance and they're communicating by writing. And for example, they play chess at one point. And then it leads to a really fun moment in the movie where they say chess is over and they need a new game. What they start doing is they start calling out celebrity names of zombies and then giving them to Andy to shoot them. And yeah, Burt Reynolds. Tell him, uh, tell him to get Burt
0: Reynolds. <laughs> oh my goodness. Man, he's
2: good. He barely even looked like him. Oh, oh, um, Rosie O'Donnell. Tell him to get Rosie. Oh, yeah, Rosie. Nah, too easy. Give him something hard. You guys had really rough childhoods, didn't you? It's a little bit rocky
0: a little bit of dark humor that i thought was worked very well at least for me personally it was really funny just this whole concept of celebrity lookalikes for the zombies <laughs> calling it out and then having andy not only shoot them like in the head because he's a good shot but also being able to to uh pick the right ones like like right. oh the burt reynolds and he right. gets the right one <laughs> it's it's a it's a funny concept i i really yeah. liked it but also like like this is a the point in the film where you're sort of past the initial tense part where they're all sort of coming together as a group and trying to like secure the place and figure out who each other are as this group. Now they're like they're settling in and it's sort of the fun part.
1: Why is this so appealing? (laughs) Why do you find this strangely appealing? Yeah. Because you get free stuff? I mean why is it why does it always seem so much so fun and appeal? Like I think about this. I think about the sequence in Night of the Comet, when they hit the mall, like even the grocery store run in 28 Days Later? Yeah. Is it because the characters have been under duress and now they have a moment to relax and that's what feels good about it? Or is it something that you genuinely find appealing on some level? I can't figure it out.
0: I think that the original Dawn of the Dead did it even better. Because that's the one thing that I really, really remember about the movie is being able to go into like any store you want and grab whatever item, basically amuse yourself. You know, you got this huge mall all to yourselves you can't go anywhere. You've got all the trappings. It's a mall. It's got everything, right? And you can just basically do whatever the fuck you want. That's what they're doing. I don't know. It's just, there's something fun about it.
1: Whimsical. It's whimsical.
0: And It's also sort of like, you could never do this. You could only do this if you're like the last people on Earth. No one's going to potentially come and call you out and say, like, you can't do that. Like You can do whatever you want. It's the allowable lawlessness. Is that part of it? There are yeah. no rules. And it's just fun to watch them having so much fun, especially after it was so tense and stressful. Yeah. yeah. And now they're just relaxing and having fun. And you also know, get it out while you can, because it's not going to last.
1: These things rarely do in these type of movies, <laughs> the yeah. peaceful moments.
0: Question about Andy and the gun store. I thought it was, it was just sort of a bit of irony that, you know, they're all stuck in this this mall. And I was thinking, like, is there going to be a, like a gun store in this mall? There, there probably isn't. There's. I think there's probably a store, a sporting goods sh- store, maybe that sells weapons. I don't know. Right across the street, it's Andy's Gun World. <laughs> right. Like, ah, oh, if only, if only we could get over there. Um, I think Andy's probably saying the same thing because at at one point he's like holding up a sign, hungry. You know. Right. He's like, he's running out of food, but he's got all the fucking guns and ammo in the world.
1: When I see this movie, or I think about this scenario, and as good as a shot as Andy is, don't you think that he had enough ammo in that store that he could have cleared the entire area of zombies? I mean, I know there's lots of people, but he could just pick them off, pick them off, pick them off. So that's the one thing, like, why not spend all your time, all your extra time on the roof just shooting zombies? Because I think that you could take out a whole lot of them. There's, you have a lot of bolts in that store.
0: Potentially, he didn't have enough ammunition for that type of rifle. There were like thousands of zombies out there. It would have taken a long time.
1: It would have taken a long time. But I mean, every time you kill one of those things, it just, it lessens the danger to yourself.
0: I just feel like it would have been a Herculean task to to be able to do that. They, yeah. they probably should have tried, but I mean, they could have done it as well from the mall rooftop, but they had a very limited supply of ammunition. So
1: it wasn't viable for them, but Andy could have sat there just and just entertained himself headshots all day long.
0: I just wonder once they were successfully able to send Chips the dog, from the mall to Andy's gun world, they just could have done that all day. Sending food over to him, and then him sending ammunition back Guns over back. to the. This was a, a real find here, and fucking Nicole, she just screwed it all up. But we'll get to that later.
1: By the way, so the mall, the power goes out in the mall, and so they have to go down. And I'm not sure why the power goes out in the mall, but whatever. There's I think a that the generator.
0: generators ran out of gas.
1: Oh, uh, is that okay? So the generators are already on.
0: Yeah, there's no there's like there's there's no town power. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Okay. I think this is an effective sequence
1: where they are required to go through the garage to get down to where the generator is. You know, they're walking through the darkness and you hear some noises in the distance and you see blood on the wall. And so... I think that the lighting in that scene and the score and the way that it it ramps tension when they're going through the garage, I think is really effective. I think it's very well done.
0: Yeah, it it was good.
1: Most of this movie to me is not, there's, there's no element of, it's not really scary, right? It's just more of like an action movie. And that was the one part that to me where it felt like, okay... You're trying to make it a little bit more closer to a true horror movie. Yeah, suspenseful. There's one character who all of a sudden you see behind him, you see, like, I don't know what the zombie is doing, but the zombie is doing a little uh, little monkey bars work across some pipes in the garage, you know, to scale across the ceiling, and and its legs are gone. And then it drops down on one of the security guards and attacks him. And I just, I, I thought that attack was pretty effective.
0: I think these zombies, in some cases, are a little smarter than they should be. So they they get back up to the,
1: uh, back into the main part of the mall, and this is where you find out that Mackay Pfeiffer has, so he had a girlfriend who was pregnant, and she had been bitten by a zombie. He had been taking her to a different part of the store to, you know, take care of her. There's a little bit of a plot hole here, because apparently she's been tied up as a zombie for multiple days and none of the other characters have thought to check
0: on her or find out what's going on. She just disappears. Yeah, they they kept asking about, oh, how's she doing? And he was being very cagey about it. I'm like, oh, I want to go visit her. No. Right. <laughs> Good reason for that. But at this point, I think he's just lost it. Like he's gone off the deep end. He actually thought that by tying her up, because he knew, he, he knew that that she would die and she would turn. But was he, did he th- seriously think that he was going to be able to deliver like a healthy human baby he was basically just losing his
1: mind because you mentioned this earlier but he has the moment where he talks about the fact that his main focus in life is about trying to raise this child and do the right thing by the child and of course he's had that taken away because of the apocalypse and so he loses his shit but he does tie her up and what you see is you see a zombie baby moving around inside her like you know pressing up against the inside of her stomach and
0: normal babies don't do that you can't see that their little hands and pushing the stomach out and stuff yeah at that point you're like okay something's wrong here yeah my worst fears have been realized and even though you Try to deliver the baby, which is what he did, but still. Another personal realization for me
1: from a horror standpoint that I don't like the, the mutant baby or the baby clawing its way outside of the mother. Like that's something that I find genuinely disturbing.
0: I was wondering if that was going to happen. I was sort sort of hoping it would, but it didn't.
1: Well, apparently in the original script it did. And, and, then they... and,
0: and it started eating the mother. And, yeah, yeah,
1: and then they're like, "Okay, no, we can't do this." And, and, yeah, they decided to cut it because it was gonna be too graphic so Decided not to go that I think direction. They should
0: have left it in. It should have been like a uh,
1: for the director's cut. Did you ever see Humanoids from the Deep? is that movie ring yeah. any bells for you?
0: I, I know the the movie, but I, I I've never seen it.
1: Yeah, so it's a Roger Corman movie from the early '80s, and it's about these fish creatures that come onto land and they start attacking women. So they're raping women because they're trying to spawn. That's what it's about. And of course, at the end. There's a woman that's pregnant, and she has the mutant baby that erupts out of her body. That's what I thought of when I was watching this. Nice. I had a fun childhood. <laughs> I watched a lot of horror movies. You can tell I'm well-adjusted, no problem whatsoever, <laughs> so didn't affect me in the slightest. The, um, the other thing that's interesting about this scene is, or, or there's kind of a funny moment, I would say, because so Anna says, oh, I'm I've, I'm finally going to go check on this member of our party who's probably been gone for a week and no one's seen her, and she's tied up somewhere. But Norma, the old woman who's driving the truck, goes there as well. And before, <laughs> before they walk into the store where the pregnant woman is, Norma's smoking a cigarette and she drops it on the ground and she stamps it out with her foot. And that's kind of done in slow-mo. You see the cigarette hit the ground, you see the, the boot come down, and and it's very Snyder-ish. You know, this is definitely a Zack Snyder visual flair moment. I'm not sure why he does it, though, <laughs> because there's nothing—it's It's there's an, it's an overly dramatic moment of a woman— scratching out a cigarette i just i thought that was kind of a funny choice in the movie
0: and then it goes on to the shootout with andre yeah and you got the shell casings falling in slow motion as well i think it's because this is supposed to be a very dramatic moment with he's lost his mind he's lost his wife he's now has a zombie baby that he's gonna you know they're gonna have to kill it it just does not end well. So what? I forget what happened. It, Norma comes in and he just shoots her. Norma sees the tied up or the pregnant woman who's
1: obviously a zombie. So she pulls out her gun to shoot her. Oh, right, right, right. And then right. Mckay Pfeiffer sees that and just flips out. I must protect my zombie family. But the gunfight between the two of them is all of a sudden, it's like something out of an action movie or there's a little bit of the Sam Raimi quick and the dead shootout kind of energy here where it's like the bodies are getting hit and the bullets are flying and it's in slow motion and blood splattering. There's some good squib work for sure.
0: I'm thinking of Tony Scott uh, in True Romance, you know, the the shootout in the, uh, in the pet Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's a little hyper stylized. It's a little odd, but whatever. It's okay. It's fun.
0: It would have been really fun to see, uh, some speed ramping with Norma. (laughs) Yeah. In terms of like pulling out her gun and spinning and then shooting something like that. That Uh, That'd be good.
1: Um, the other thing that is just kind of funny, and I noticed this and then I ended up, I saw it in the trivia. So when Norma goes in there and she's first seeing the kind of the layout, there's lots of cans and it looks like it's a well lived in area. But one of the cans that it rolls past is Smeet. Did you see that? Yeah. The only other time I've seen Smeat, which is a stand in for spam is in Waterworld. Remember that? I, I try not to remember Waterworld. So apparently, this is the same universe. This is the same
0: canned meat universe as Waterworld. This is the Smeet extended universe. Like, it, is Smeet like a real thing, or is it just from? It's just like the Spam stand-in in the movies.
1: It's just the Spam stand-in. It's just and it's it's a two second throwaway moment. But I just thought it was funny okay. that they would put it in there at all. Because
0: because when I think of Smeet I naturally think of the Skylab medical experiment altitude test.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I, mean, I'm a huge fan of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Moving on.
1: Moving on. They do have the established trope of after Norma dies, so she's been gunned down. They they bring her out, and, and they have the moment where there's a bunch of people sitting around, and somebody says, well, is somebody going to say something? I always think this moment's funny. Does someone want to say something? And they ask the guy who was in a church. He worked in a church as an organist, and he says he doesn't believe in God it's always kind of funny to me where you have a group of characters that barely know another character and they have to search for the idea of saying something that probably nobody cares about (laughs) the funeral sequence it's a little Uh, funny
0: oh yeah yeah
1: yeah so Ty Burrell's characters he he mentions that he has a boat and then they kind of their their heads perk up and they're like oh well maybe we should go to the marina and try to rescue the boat and CJ has a pretty funny moment excuse
2: me uh, not to shit on anyone's riff here but let me just see if I grasp this concept okay You're suggesting that we take some fucking parking shuttles and reinforce them with some aluminum siding and then just head on over to the gun store where we watch our good friend Andy play some cowboy movie jump on the covered wagon bullshit. Then we're going to drive across the ruined city through a welcome committee of a few hundred thousand dead cannibals all so that we can sail off into the sunset on this fucking asshole's boat and head for some island that for all we know doesn't even exist? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I'm in.
1: But then what's funny is this switches to the, the generic A-team moment from like building the vehicles, like the super vehicles. And what I love about this is anytime there are characters that are building some sort of a specialized tank, improvised weapon of any sort, everybody is grinding and welding. <laughs> There's lots yeah. of grinding and welding <laughs> because you can see the sparks coming off of it, right? So suddenly... So, suddenly like everyone's
0: no, a master fabricator. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, because Nicole, <laughs> yeah, she, she knows how to weld... She, right. she, she 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 had all that, that arc welding class in high school. Actually, her her special talent is apparently graffiti. <laughs> so she, <Yeah>. she <laughs> do you really paints need to, some teeth on the front? Yeah. Do you really need to do that? I don't know. It's a cool moment, but yeah. You know. okay. Um, I just want to know where they got all the welding equipment. Is, is there a, like a Lowe's that's attached to this mall? I don't know. Right. I, do, I often when I'm looking to pick up my uh, heavy equipment. I usually hit the mall. That's
1: where my uh, settling torches. I'm like, do you have those? Those are in aisle seven. Yeah. They're just sitting around all over the place. They're next to the Lane Bryant. As they build out these buses, they're reinforcing it. But then they also do things like they put barbed wire across the top. And I'm not sure why you would do that. I think that's going to be more of a hindrance to you than the zombies. Because is is it like the zombies are going to go reaching for the bus, and they're going to hit their hand on the barbed wire, and they're going to go, ow, and they're going to come back. I know, yeah. Like, I don't think so. So the barbed wire, I think, is a little bit... Well... It's just a stylistic choice. It has no real purpose. They could get caught up in the
0: razor wire, but maybe. We'll see.
1: I don't know where they got it from, but they also mount, like, a bulldozer scoop on the front of one of these trucks. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that the front of that thing would be so heavy that it might, just, <laughs> it might just tilt the entire tram forward. I don't know. But
0: I just... I like how Michael created a little... Uh, chainsaw hole like a murder hole in a in a castle the way that he was describing it to anna though was just a little bit creepy she has a good line after she sees that he she's like uh that might be the most romantic thing anyone's ever shown me which right. which, which was a good line but the way he described it i don't know he just he really wanted to use that chainsaw <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> he's excited like, about it that, that, that I think i think it's <laughs> funny I, I do like
1: that cuz There's a little bit of enthusiasm at the concept in terms of being, you know, creating this crazy situation where you get to use a chainsaw and just cut zombies in half. So Andy, the guy who's across the street on the gun store, he holds up a a sign that says he's hungry. And they do show him like his, he looks relatively emaciated and apparently they did extra makeup effects to Kind of make sure that his ribs popped when they were filming that scene because he, you know, he looks like he's definitely hmm. hungry. because Interesting. His...
0: Zack Snyder, he would never do that in any of his other movies. Using makeup to make someone look like they have ripped abs. He's like, wait, wait, you could do this to to show the ribs. Can you do that to show abs? And it's like, <laughs> ding. <laughs> I have a direction to go.
1: I, when they're up in the roof they so they they have a dog that they rescued when they picked up the other people that came in on the truck and they decide that they're gonna put packs on the dog with some food and send it over to Andy. Now of course, how the dog would even know to go over that direction, whatever, we can just breeze past that for a second. But I do like the fact there's a scene where they're lowering the dog into the undead and and they're like, oh no, the the zombies will just ignore the dog. I don't know that they know that, but when they're, when they're lowering the dog down, it looks like they're basically delivering a snack to the horde of zombies for the, mo- it, it for really the first does. part of that. Yeah.
0: Chips, and it's sort of somewhat of an ironically named name for a dog that you're, <laughs> you, know, like you name him after a snack food. and you're, That's going to be a snack. He's basically going to be a snack. Chips was actually, they found him wandering in the um, parking garage. Oh, that's right. And so maybe that's why, because they're like, well, if he was able to survive down there where there were a bunch of zombies, maybe they're just not interested in him yeah and, and that's where they got this whole idea. Well, they were right. Oh, this is great. Now they have a way to actually ferry supplies back and forth between the mall and Andy's gun store. yeah, and then Nicole goes and blows everything.
1: right. Yeah, Nicole flips out because mainly she wants the dog back,
0: right is that that's really what it comes down to? She's so concerned over chips' safety. She jumps in the truck and she hightails it over there. Ah, <sighs> Nicole, Nicole.
1: She's in there with zombies. Andy communicates back on the radio to say that he's been bitten. And he, of course, doesn't know that that means he's going to die. But the rest of the characters do. They mount a rescue mission to go grab Nicole. And they find Andy there. And w- here's what's funny about this scene, too, is somehow there's the typical underground corridor with pipes and water <laughs> connecting the mall and Andy's gun stores. So I believe that's it's a callback is- to many movies, including yeah. Aliens, by the way. And, and we know how much Zack Snyder... Likes aliens after watching Army of the Dead, I do think this looks a lot like when Newt is you know when the alien comes out of the water it 's that kind of oh. that kind of uh, atmosphere
0: i I think they call it a sewer dave it 's a sewer, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was really convenient, and then they pop up through the uh, through the manhole and are able to get inside the store. What yeah. I thought was really funny is that they get inside the gun store and they 're immediately going oh, where 's the ammo for my gun i 'm out I need thirty out six so like I need nine mil. I'm just going, it's a fucking gun store. What do you just grab? There's a million guns there. Just grab the gun and the the ammunition and just also ditch your little guns. Like go for the big stuff. Come on, man. What are you
1: doing? They end up making a frantic run back through the sewer to get back to the mall. A couple of nice moments. This is where definitely CJ has now turned the corner from being asshole security guard to a somewhat heroic figure. Now he's all in and he's a he's a badass and you kind of see him he's you know he's helping out with the trams and all that but i thought that was a little bit of a strange change based on how hard they set him up as kind of the villain figure
0: in the beginning but i think you nailed it in that the he wasn't he's not really like innately on a power trip or some yeah authoritarian figure he's just he was was scared and now as being a part of the group he's no longer as scared and i feel like he feels like He's accepted as part of this group, and he's a valuable member of this group, and that has eased a lot of his fears, um, and so that's, that's what allows him to make that turn.
1: And while they're at the gun store, by the way, they, this is the first time they use this idea of a propane bomb, so they throw a propane tank out there that has a flare attached to it, and they shoot it, and each time they do this in the movie, I think they do it three times. The thing goes up like a small tactical nuke. (laughs) I mean, it's just... Zack Snyder, he loves his
0: big explosions.
1: Zack Snyder loves his big explosions. And uh, by the way, the explosions look great. It's just that, because I've actually watched people shoot propane tanks. I've looked at the YouTube videos because I've always been curious as to what would happen when they do it. And it's not much. It's it's a very (laughs) underwhelming explosion. So it's kind of hilarious, the, the, the level of power that these things have. But... It's, you know, it's amusing. Well, it's it's I, a good effect.
0: I thought that they did this on on Mythbusters and they basically said like, no, if you shoot the tank, it's not going to explode. Right. But it's just, it
1: just, it just kind of flames out the side. So uh,
0: with the propane bombs, I think they actually open the valve. And so now you've got gas spewing out and then they throw it out there. So the act of shooting it causes a spark that hits the flame that then actually blows the thing up. So I think that's, that that was how they were sort of explaining it out. But I, I agree, it wouldn't be like this in just ginormous explosion. No, I mean, come on. Like,
1: these things are like 10,000 times as powerful as the explosion you're going to get out of a any kind of a propane tank under your best, on your best day.
0: Yeah. But yeah. I did like but how it ended up like mowing down all this zombies in front of them. It worked quite well.
1: When they run back to the mall, they're unable to secure the mall so they basically just are in a flat out run to get to their new reinforced uh, trams
0: when they are there the zombies are now following them like through the sewers back into the the mall and they're on that staircase and there's this one moment where the zombies all stop they just pause at the bottom of the landing there's like ving rams up there and i'm going wait why are they pausing right this doesn't really fit in with the zombie mythology like they're not smart they're not like assessing the situation yeah they just they should just keep going and apparently somebody um at a like a convention or something asked Zack snyder about this and sort of put him on the spot <laughs> and what did he say i'm because I, I noticed
1: the same thing so
0: yeah i think he basically said like well it's like poetic license you know it's like, dramatic effect i think he actually said in real life no but in in the, in the film where you drama when you're dramatized. so that that was his explanation for why he, why that would happen so yeah. basically some nine-year-old kids calling Zack snyder on his bullshit <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs>
0: and, and rightfully so in that case and rightfully so they
1: kind of bust their way through the garage and then the sea of zombies that they have out there and just that visual of you know what looks to be thousands of zombies now surrounding these trams that's actually pretty cool the color the the tone sort of shifts and it's a little bit kind of red hues and i just think that the whole way that that shot i think is, is pretty cool i like that moment
0: yeah, it, it's a cool moment because they also, the, for some reason, these shuttles also have, like, they're set up with a lighting rig around the roof of the shuttle yeah, uh, all around. And so it's, it creates this, like, halo effect. It's really cool just to see this swarmed by this sea of zombies. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's well shot. I, I liked it a lot. I guess they really did need the bulldozer attachment on the front be, just to get them out of the way because I think there's so it's such a crush of zombies that they actually couldn't move forward. Right. And that's where the propane bomb came in very handy. There
1: is a nice moment where the Michael character after the propane bomb goes up sort of looking surprised at the the level of devastation that occurred. I actually kind of thought that was thought that was a brief acknowledgement within the film itself of the absurdity of the level of explosion. That was my <laughs> read on that moment. Like even even the character themselves like, "Come on, really?" But then they keep going forward. However, there is one problem that comes out of this is they drive away from the mall and then for whatever reason they have to drive the trams completely uncontrollably, like out of control, like squealing through the street. There's no reason for them to be driving like that. They should be much more methodically kind of working their way towards the marina. But they drive so fast that for no reason whatsoever, Ving Rhames ends up flipping one of the trams. And then that causes some additional problems. But Yeah, I, I
0: had the same critique. I was just like, why, why are you doing this? This, this right. makes no sense. They justified it was that. Oh, there was still like one zombie attached to the outside of the the shuttle, and they're right. So just to... shoot
1: it through the window, or whatever. I mean, well, it didn't. You yeah. were
0: fine when you had like a thousand zombies outside. Why is it now like this one zombie? You're so afraid of it. I just it makes no sense to me. Like they could have just right. kept kept it on there. They're not in in any danger. Yeah, it didn't make a whole lot of sense, but you know they just wanted to flip one of the shuttles.
1: So Ty Burrell's character, you actually see, uh, so Bing Rames, you know, when he's laying there, puts his hand up and hyperologist just ignores it he goes outside and then of course he's attacked and munched by a zombie so there there is a moment where he has a potential for a redemptive moment as a character and they don't take it right so they just this guy's just an uh, an asshole through and through so I like the consistency there I thought that was a fun choice
0: you definitely wanted to see him because he when they were coming back from through the sewers and stuff, he was supposed to be there holding the door open for them. Right, and it was like, "What happened? Where is he?" And then Anna ultimately opened the door, and then they go back into and, and they're running to the shuttles. And here's here's Steve, and he's going like, "Where were you guys?" Or something like that. It's like, "Where the fuck were you?" <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Steve the prick. Yeah. So it's yeah. great that that he ended up uh, getting turned.
1: By the way, the other reason you don't want to drive your tram so crazily is because. If someone has a chainsaw and is using a chainsaw inside the tram, they might accidentally just saw through one of the other people that are in the tram. I thought that was a good effect. I, I like that.
0: It was, yeah, it was, it was totally good. But I was, uh, yeah, I was just thinking, dude, you do not know how to use a chainsaw, and nope. yeah, definitely don't like fire up the chainsaw when the shuttle is just, you know, it's lurching left and right, and like maybe just a, take your finger off the trigger on it. You know, so yeah, it's not. just a bad idea. Bad idea. And then, what was her name Monica or something like that? She's the blonde girl that got like two lines. She has almost no, no role in this movie. They ended up cutting out a lot for yeah. for some reason i don't, I don't really know but uh, yeah then she just oh man she chainsaw through the chest <laughs> not, not a good way to go
1: it's a it's a good effect though it's definitely a good effect oh yeah they built a full body cast of her they set it up so they could put reloadable blood bags inside the cavity so they could do the <laughs> shot a couple times to uh you know get it so that it just popped out the way that it did i don't know i, I thought that was from was, a practical it, effect standpoint i thought that was pretty it, great it was the well way done. they did it yeah, yeah it was well done the, one of the trams, after it crashes, the characters jump in the other one. They make their way to the dock. Also, when they're driving into the dock, they come roaring into the point like where they almost destroy the dock when they when they try to... So again, I just think that the tram driving in this movie maybe could use some work. Everybody needs to go to um, tram driving school, I think, after this. When they get there, so CJ dies, he blows up the dock with the propane thing, and then they get to the boat, and as they're pulling away, Michael shows that his hand has been that he, that he has a bite now, and he knows he's going to die. And so the boat pulls away, and he's standing on the dock. And it's kind of that one last guy, one last bullet in the chamber. Um, he does say that he's going to stay there and maybe watch the the sun come up. And the way that he says that, I was kind of wondering if that was a callback to the thing when uh, Kurt Russell mm, uh, is uh, at, at the very end when they're sitting there, and he says, you know, I'm just going to, why don't we just stay here for a while? Probably not intentionally, so... Yep, and then the boat sails away, and you, of course, hear the gunshot as Michael decides to put one through his own head as opposed to be eaten by zombies, which is probably a fair choice at that point.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, And then I do like the end of this because they find a, or the way that the credits are set up at the end, because they also do kind of a fun credit sequence. So as they're showing the film credits, they're also showing what appears to be you know, a camera. So it's a little bit of a found footage film at the very end. And so they get out to where this island is supposed to be, and you see the dog jump off the boat, and then all of a sudden, you know, it ends with all these zombies that come running towards the boat. So, here's a question for you: Did they survive or not? Did they get the boat off of the dock, or do you think they just they all succumb to the horde of zombies?
0: Succumb to the horde of zombies. Yeah. So, you think
1: everybody just dies re- regardless?
0: Yeah, I think so. All right. Well,
1: it is a Zack Snyder film, and if you take a look at the extremely uplifting ending of Army of
0: the Dead, that would be consistent at least. I was sort of wondering because this takes place in wisconsin so they go to the marina so it's obviously it's got to be on lake michigan are there any islands in lake michigan but apparently there are (laughs) but they they did have to sail a long way because it's a long way north it's up near the the upper peninsula there's a bunch of islands up there there's some big ones that probably are inhabited uh, but there's a few smaller ones too that don't look like they're inhabited at all so i think they just picked the wrong island
1: if you're on an island, you assume that the water is going to be enough of a barrier that they can't get to you. But it, the question is, like, what what actually is happening to those zombie bodies? Because I, I remember in World War Z, you remember in World War Z, the, yeah, the zombies yeah. were
0: they just like walk on the bottom of the ocean, and they come out exactly, of the, they, they come out yeah, on they the beach, alive and, yeah, yeah. I thought that was awesome.
1: Are you really safe or not? So lots of questions there. And the other thing I think that World War Z did that I thought was interesting was this idea of ramping. Like, if you had that many zombies that were running at you at the same time, and they they kind of formed their own human bridge to get you up over the wall with a pile of bodies like yeah. i wonder if that's possible or not
0: i think that's possible with uh yeah. with with just sheer volume they're like
1: ants those yeah. ants that uh <laughs> i was that, just that, about yeah. to say that yeah it's just yeah. like that yeah all right well we've reached the end of our run through anything else you want to throw out there not really okay well why don't
0: you uh move to closing thoughts i thought this was uh a really fun movie. Definitely not scary, but it's just a really it's a good time. It's well made. Yeah, it moves along very quickly. I like the characters. I think as a as a remake it's it's a good take on it. It's I think it stands alone, you know, it stands on its own as its own version. I think the reason that we were watching this was that it was Zack Snyder's first film and I wanted to see, you know, sort of the genesis of the Zack Snyder style, right? And I don't think I got that. I don't think either just hadn't fully formed yet, or like I said, it was trying to be an homage to the original. And mm-hmm. so it, you know, maybe didn't purposely have the style that he sort of is known for. If I was just watching this and I didn't know who the director was, I would not say that this was a Zack Snyder film. Right. But I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. As far as a letter grade goes, I would give it a, a solid B. How about you?
1: I think you and I ended up watching this specifically because we were underwhelmed with Army of the Dead. And and I was probably even more underwhelmed than you were with that movie. I mean, that movie is fun, it's stylish, but the characters in that movie have no arc whatsoever, any of them. Um, in this movie, at least you have characters that have are at least given traits or qualities, or they say little lines and little bits of exposition here or there that kind of flesh out the characters a little bit, which is, it's nice, because it's uh, that's one of the certainly the improvements over Army of the Dead. Um, It's it's hard for me to look at this and not just sort of look at it as a direct comparison because, you know, what this shows me is that, hey, Zack Snyder can make a pretty good zombie movie because I actually think this movie is really well done. I think it moves really fast. I think the characters are interesting. I think the concept and the way that they put it together with some of the little signs on the roof and the whole sort of atmosphere that gets created, I think is really effective. And I think the gore and the look of the zombies... I think the zombies and the practical effects, of the zombie effects, I think are, they look really good. I think you know, so so all of that and all of the special effects. So the gore is tons of fun, and then there are even all these little things like the uh, you know, like the chainsaw out the side of the the tram. I just little little touches like that. I think are are tons of fun. So this is a very entertaining, very well made movie, and uh, yeah, I'd give it a. I think a B is the the proper grade. So that's about where I would go with it as well. So I, I think that I think Zack Snyder might be best when he's not necessarily the writer as well as the director that's my takeaway from this
0: well definitely about the writing yeah i sort of keep thinking like oh well what would this movie look like if he remade it today so is the is the answer oh it would be army of the dead or what like would he take sort of this uh, the original idea and just like sort of ditch all of the the characters and really just make it an, an action spectacle i don't really know is he a completely different director now than he was back then? Definitely. I mean, I,
1: there's no way that this movie, if he were to make this movie right now, there's no way you don't have speed ramping and an even more drawn out sequence of you know, shell casings hitting the ground and two to three more moments where it's just a, you know, it's kind of the needle drop of a song cutting in and some slow motion stuff. It's, it, you can't, I mean, I, I think he has evolved to, be the director that he wants to be in terms of the style he has. So I guess the question is, does he keep writing his own stuff? Uh, he, he, he should not. No, but if you pair him up with somebody else, well, I don't know, James Gunn, for example, it seems like the end result can be pretty positive. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. All I, I, mean, all I mean is that he really probably shouldn't continue to write his own screenplays because he's at his best when he's got good material to work with. Really directed some very good movies.
1: And it's also good when he has some guardrails that he has to stay <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Looking at you,
0: Netflix. Time to nope. put up some guardrails.
1: Two hours and 26 minutes is way too long for Army of the Dead, especially when 12 minutes of that is Dave Batista having bullshit emotional dialogue with other with his daughter. All right, well, I've said everything I want to say about the remake, the 2004 remake of Dawn of the Dead. Anything else from you? Nope. All right. Well, then with that, we hope you enjoyed our ongoing... Snyder verse obsession Colin and I will be back to cover apparently every movie Zack Snyder ever made Uh, maybe we'll go back and look at some of his music videos as well um, because apparently we cannot get away from Snyder
0: which is really weird because on my list of 238 favorite movies I've got several directors on there who have got like you know appear four, five, six times I don't think Zack Snyder appears any time and yet we're, we're really focusing on him quite a bit Yep, so we'll be back with 300
1: or some other Zack Snyder movie (laughs) that we haven't seen. Because Colin and I are now just, we're going to do them all. It's just going to happen. So strap in, everybody. And with that, this is The Real DMC Podcast, signing off.
0: Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: goodbye. Chips is a boy dog. (laughs) Oh, bye. Yeah, and there are a few performances in that movie, like Jackie Earl Haley's performance. As Rorschach, 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 Rorschach.
0: Rorschach? (laughs) (laughs) Rorschach. It's a
1: well, you know, if if, you know, if you want to hear a shark roar, just watch the end of Jaws: The Revenge.
2: Sweet Jesus, they're heading straight for it! Come about, Ellen! Ellen, come about! (laughs)
0: oh boy (laughs) no thanks (laughs) all right